0: back. We're at uh, episode 16 of the Tech Garage Podcast.
1: I'm glad you took uh, a count of the number because I'd forgotten. I have not written down on the paper. Don't. don't spill your beer.
0: You know, that <laughs> was awesome.
1: Okay. At, at least you use a trackball. Yeah, it won't so be in the way of the it mouse. Won't, it won't ruin your mouse.
0: So, uh, Matt, why don't you vamp a little bit while I get this clean <laughs> well, up? Well,
1: you go get a napkin and clean up. Uh, so, we got a special guest today. Howdy. And you're supposed to say your name now. Hi, I'm Brian Cutler. <laughs> well, welcome to our podcast, Brian Cutler. I'm one
2: of Zach's former uh, former coworkers yeah. here to talk about some uh, interesting stuff this week. Cool,
0: yeah. And, uh, and there he goes ruining the surprise. I haven't even told our podcast listeners that I'm changing jobs. <laughs> I
1: actually I believe you mentioned it last week. Oh crap. Never yeah. mind. My bad. So Zach's uh, Zach's up for a new job. He's gonna stop working with Brian and start working with me next week. Well, no, he first he's going to on Costa vacation Rica. Yeah, to I'll Costa be gone Rica. For a bit. He's gonna go uh you're <clears throat> you're going to all like the the whorehouses in Costa Rica and stuff, right? You're doing like a, a a sex tour.
0: Um, I was thinking about it, but Sid apparently had a problem with that. She oh. didn't want to run that way. So, uh. whatever. Yeah. So let's jump right into it now that I have the beer sort of cleaned up. Uh, first up, um, before the show started, you guys were actually having a fairly um good conversation about Diablo Three because Bryant plays a lot. Matt plays a little bit.
1: We, we geeked out a little bit. Zach kind of uh, glazed over yeah, while we talked about I what sure level the our characters were, were and stuff. Yeah.
0: So let's talk Diablo 3, shall we? Um, we,
1: we, we not, we've never talked about it on this show before. No, no, never, yeah. ever, ever, ever. People can't wait to get more Diablo 3.
0: So something that I thought was kind of weird is both of you picked the same player class to start with. What is it about uh, the monk that kind of made you guys go, that's for me?
2: So I I started playing a monk because uh, I am a bit of a World of Warcraft addict as well. And my main character there is a shaman, sort of a uh, mix of magic and physical damage. It's the kind of guy who wades into a fight with two axes. And uh, the monk promised the same kind of mix of melee and ranged uh, play with a bit of healing tossed in.
0: Okay. Now, do the, does the Monk actually, because I'm completely ignorant of Diablo 3, I've only heard about it from Matt, um, what kind of magic wielding do you get for the Monk? Anything good? Uh,
2: yeah, he sort of focuses on uh, sort of holy fire coming down from the skies magic.
1: Uh, Wait, you had holy fire coming down from the skies? Because yes, I just punched the shit out of stuff.
2: Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of builds you can do, right? Uh, my build was very much focused on uh, generating a lot of uh, spirit, the resource system, now, as much as possible, and calling down as many magical attacks as possible.
0: Did you say bailed? Build. Build, oh, like character building. Yeah, okay.
2: character yeah. build. Uh, Diablo 3 has got a really interesting rune system on their uh, abilities uh, so that you can have, I can't remember the uh, crazy high trillions of possible characters uh, combinations.
3: Oh.
1: But, Very nice. but basically, it's sort of RPG style. So as you as you increase in level, you can choose different, uh, I guess, abilities. Uh, the nice thing that I like about Diablo Three, you, you don't never really lock into a certain build. You can always go back and tweak it to, to whatever you want once that rune's unlocked or once that ability's unlocked. So it's kinda you end
2: up customizing your build a lot during play. Actually, uh, you know, you'll attack one boss that uh, will totally slaughter you if you get too close to him. So you really have to use ranged abilities but then the next boss it may be that you need to stay up close the entire time and you'll focus on self healing or something
1: but huh. the the monk doesn't really have great ranged abilities i felt like there was like a nice uh you know there's a couple of like uh area effect type explosion type abilities and mm-hmm. and, and that sort of stuff but it didn't feel like to the, the degree like like where the the wizard or the demon hunter can is basically shooting stuff from the other side of the map He doesn't have nearly that kind of range oh yeah th- he's a uh, Close to medium range fighters. Yeah, so. I felt like his range was a little better than the fighter, and his speed was w- really good. That's what I liked. I liked the speed. I kind of felt yeah. like the, the the fast punching and, and like hopping uh, in and out of combat.
2: Like yeah, teleporting like, around. Yeah,
1: the teleporting was awesome. I was like, oh, so that kind of gives you range a Wait, little bit on the teleporting, teleport. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, they're like Dalzim.
2: Uh if you, if you remember that game. Are you old enough to remember that? Was that before I'm,
0: your time? I'm old enough, but I don't play video games the same way you guys do. I do things outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I leave the house from time to time.
1: I uh so so I uh, random question for you. Uh your uh, your character, mm-hmm. did you choose male or female? Male. Yeah. I chose female and I don't know why
0: is that cuz you have something to tell us? I think I think some your, people uh,
1: think that like when you play a female character in game and you're thinking it's like a living as a transsexual type thing. Yeah, I've, I've I I've heard that and I've heard the uh
2: the counterpoint which is that if you're going to be staring at something for hours and hours as you play the game it might as well as, might as well be something attractive.
1: That's kind of my my feeling I like I like watching a badass chick flip around and punch shit. Yeah, kind of like you're
0: with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just identify with my characters too strongly <laughs> to uh, to make that kind of a psychological break.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I choose female character. Actually, both my characters. And the, the next character that I started playing through was a, was a, a demon hunter, and I chose a character, that female character there, and she's more naked. Like her stuff, she's got like sexy outfit.
0: So when you choose yeah. a female character over a male character, does that limit the amount of strength you can have? Like, it no, would it has no life?
2: gameplay yeah. uh, effect whatsoever. It's okay. Just okay. visualization.
0: Which I'm into, is is the the same way in World of Warcraft. It is, huh?
1: Yeah, there's no which is weird because like dudes are way stronger than chicks.
0: Yeah, like I mean even just saying, even my scrawny little ass is not is substantially stronger than a similarly sized woman.
2: Well, yeah, I mean even (laughs) if you were to look at uh, World of Warcraft, some of the racial differences, you know, you'd think that the uh, towering 1,200 pound cow man would be significantly stronger
1: than the (laughs) uh, female gnome or something, right? But no, wait, Uh, really? There's, there's no, they don't have like class, even or I mean even like species like uh, differentiations in World there, of Warcraft. There's very very minor species differentiation that's
2: entirely uh, compensated for by g- gear levels and, uh, wow. and different buffs. So, yeah, uh, you can be the uh, this st- very strongest warrior on your server as a two foot tall female gnome with pink hair. Hmm. Uh, you could also be a a completely Weak sauce uh, tarin you know with your, your with your huge muscles and your leather hide, and uh, no strength at all
0: that is crazy it, I, I I'm honestly shocked over here because with the amount of uh, uh, care they put into like say halo right when they were talking about rebalancing the weapons when all of the different iterations of Halo came out, yeah, they went a little crazy to make sure that the guns weren't overpowered I, I would have kind of assumed that same kind of uh, um, Excitement or desire to make things realistic would have bled over into some of the more, um, you know.
1: Right. So I, I'm curious. Does that mean you think that the black characters should be faster?
0: I can't. Re- I don't know. Because <laughs> when you look at it, you're now all of a sudden dealing with a bunch of stereotypes we don't even have yet. Cause right. Because, you know, what is a, uh, you know, elf supposed to do exactly?
1: Yeah. I Yeah. I don't know. It does seem like at least physical. Like if you've got species, there should be some significant differences in strengths. Like because I've played other RPGs where like if you play um, as an orc, you've got you know more strength and better healing. Whereas if you play as a elf, you've got better magic. Abilities mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but so, I've never played World of War. I, I specifically avoided World of Warcraft because I've heard it's super addictive. I've heard it's another one of these actually, uh, Blizzard uh, geek cocaine variants. Yeah, I actually know. Uh, my actually, you guys probably both know this person. I'm not going to say their name, but I know somebody who's Did divorced. Yeah, I I know. I'll, I'll, I don't want to say the name. I'll tell you after after we finish up, but who. Uh, apparently their divorce was a direct correlation to <laughs> playing World of Warcraft.
0: I know who you're talking about now. I yeah, just I, f- I figured you would. Yeah, okay. Um, well, so what back to afterwards. the game. What is, it that, uh, what is it about Diablo 3 that causes you guys to spend hour after hour? I mean, Brian, you said your character was in the 50s, right? That's correct. And uh, Matt, yours was in the 30s? Yeah, I'm, I'm and not as hardcore. I'm guessing that's a non-trivial amount of time. It's not like you can bust through that in three or four hours, right? Uh, absolutely
2: not. It's... <laughs> It's uh, orders of magnitude more than that.
0: So, w- what is it that uh, keeps you coming back?
2: Uh, I'm not really sure. The combat is really sort of viscerally satisfying, you know, as your character just completely causes things to uh, explode or hit walls or bust through walls, and uh, so, so there's that aspect. And then there's the the optimization piece. Whereas a geek, it's sort of like, oh, look, there's more numbers to make optimal, and so uh, you're always pushing for a piece of gear that will make your character yeah. more I, powerful. I, I think
1: that's it. For me, I think it's the the collection collecting, right? It's it's uh there's always as as you increase in level, you get slightly better weapons, right? Mm-hmm. You find slightly better weapons. Sometimes you find a really significantly better weapon, but it's always like if I can just find a little bit better like headband, I'll be a little bit more powerful. I'll find this additional magical buff, I'll be more powerful and be able to kill stuff better and I'll be more cool. And then and then, hey, what's that next ability that's going to release if I just get a little... So, I, for me, it was just kind of like, I want to just keep going so I can see what the next thing is, what the next thing like, you just so kind of it, like...
0: It's like a slightly more aggressive Forza, because I know a bunch of guys that really got into car racing because, you know, they like banging their cars up, they like trying to optimize for, uh, you know, suspension, tires, whatever. Yeah. But it sounds like there's a ton more options.
1: Yeah, did I ever tell you the story about uh, speaking forza? This is a little off topic, but
0: <laughs> that's shocking on this podcast uh,
1: about me and Frank Lynn uh, racing cars, uh, like in, real cars. In, it was or? Gotham City racing. So, so here was here's what was happening, and I'm sure you uh, remember. And I'll I'll give a little bit more backstory for the listeners and for Bryant. Um, I'm sure you remember some of the epic arguments that we had with Frank, right?
0: Yeah, I I remember a number of them where he uh, Tiger versus Shark and and stormed
1: out. Michael Jackson versus uh, Kurt Cobain. But one of the ones that we had was uh, at some point uh, uh, Frank said, "No American car can beat any uh, Japanese car. It's just it's impossible. uh, The the Japanese cars are way faster than any American built car." And I'm like "Uh, Corvette. I'm like this Corvette. He's like, "No way." WRX, WRX would kill a Corvette, da da da. And I'm like, you're you're insane. so, a you're insane. So this is so our <laughs> our breakdown on how to solve this argument was like. And he was playing. He was like hardcore into Gotham City racing. I think it was Gotham City Two at the time. And and he was like, uh, I'm like, let's let's play Gotham City. Well, you you race WRX, I'll race Corvette, and and you got way more experience than me, so you should you should beat me. Right, and I smoked him. <laughs> Like like consistently he's like, let's do it again. And it was like
0: Frank was I, I won like nine <laughs> out of ten
1: races, Corvette versus WRX. It was just it was it was not even close. So I have absolutely zero Forza experience. Uh is
2: the goal of the game to accurately simulate the cars?
1: Yeah, Forza Forza over like like Gotham City was was a bad example because Gotham was a little bit arcadey. Mm-hmm. Forza is definitely, and I've never really played Forza either. But Forza is supposed to be like a driving simulation. Yeah. So I, if we did the same race in Forza, it would have been even more accurate. I'd have probably kicked his ass more. But <laughs> Gotham City Racing had a lot of like uh, arcadey elements to it. You'd, you know, you'd get extra points for sliding sideways and stuff. That our 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 challenge was who comes over the finish line first. And he'd be right. like, you know, for, of course, in straight line, I was killing him. and He's like, let's do a windy course, and I still killed him. So,
0: see, um, over uh, the winter we were out playing a Forza with some friends, and I was like, "This game is taking too much effing time. I've got to like sit here and go click, click, click. And is this better than that?" And I'm like, I spent all day at work making trade-offs on <laughs> what's the right choice here. When I get home, I just want to like you know play Mario Brothers or yeah. Portal, you know, something where yeah. you're thinking. But and
2: to get back to Diablo three, I think that's one of the uh, draws as well is that as uh, incredibly complex as the leveling system and optimization can be, Mm -hmm. actual combat is like super, super easy. You You spend 99% of your time clicking with your
1: left mouse button. Uh, Occasionally, occasionally you throw in a right mouse button, occasionally hit one through four to call off other spells, and that's really it. So So. do you
0: find your uh, uh, right index finger getting... uh, a little fatigued? A little
2: bit, actually.
0: <laughs> now,
1: do you tend to... Do you, I'm just curious. Uh, do you tend to just hold down on an enemy, like a single click, and then just let him like, focus? Or are you clicking each, each attack?
2: Uh, it depends Good. on how badly I want the enemy to die, <laughs> okay. honestly. There's a bit of a psychological reaction there where something that's killed me a couple of times that I've had to come back to it, it gets clicked on a lot.
0: So is the multiple clicks versus the press and hold d- give you different outcomes? Pretty much the same effect. That's why it's psychological. <laughs> okay. I was, you know. But you
1: feel better because each time you're tapping it, you feel like you're You're doing it. something. You're, I'm hitting the hell out of this guy.
0: All right. Yeah. So have either of you gotten a little, uh, as I understand, there's an in-game marketplace. Have you guys started buying and selling um, anything in there?
1: I've only sold and, and poorly at that. So... There is
2: both a uh, in-game currency version of the auction house and a real money U.S. dollars kind of auction house. Uh-huh. Uh, I have bought and sold by the in-game um, auction house, and actually have done very well by it. It's managed to fund a lot of upgrades for my character, hmm. but uh, I'm hesitant to give anything as sensitive as a, a like a PayPal account to so a video game company. I was
1: just I was just uh, seeing this the other day. The uh, apparently the currency market just opened up I've never even looked at it but it just opened up and it does require the additional uh, authentication
2: yeah it's two or three days ago they required that you have a uh, either, either a authenticator on your smartphone or a physical device to be a, a
1: one-time pad kind of
2: authenticator. Okay, so
0: they're going like a multi-factor authentication exactly. approach. Yep. So uh, if
1: you're going to do, you're putting your money on the line, they're actually requiring that as a authentication as opposed all right. to...
2: They've got a uh, maximum balance that they allow you to carry at any given time in your account, um, which I think keeps them from being officially classed as a bank and being taxed as such. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's only so much that you can sell at any given time. Um, and they have limits on how fast you can
1: transfer money so that...
0: You're yep. not doing, like, a check kiting or anything like that? Yeah,
2: they don't want you money laundering for a cartel or something.
1: So what's the what's the max, like, around approximately? I think the max for any single sale is $250, and they only
2: let you clear $1,000 in a week through the uh, auction house, something So something like that. That still feels like
1: I could launder money through there. <laughs> well, <laughs> small amounts
0: of money, but what I... But not millions, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What but I... for my, my little schemes that I'm running, I could... Uh, <laughs> I could.
0: It could function as a nice tax free bank for all of your um, gambling yeah, uh, money. Yeah, right.
2: It is interesting. I looked around and it looks like uh, current prices can go as high as $35 or $40 for an item, which is more than half the cost of the game. Um, and
0: Wait, Diablo costs like 80 bucks? Uh,
2: about 50. Wow. Yeah, uh,
1: 59 dollars same as typical video okay. game costs.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you can make back two thirds of the cost of the game with the sale of an item. And then it's just, you know, you're making bank from there in
1: theory. But then you got to, f- yeah, that means you also have to find an awesome item in there. Although right. I guess once you get to level, if you get to level a really high level, and it becomes a little easier to find some of those uh, items. Have you found any of the, so I've found uh, obviously magical items and rare items. So supposedly, supposedly the even more rare, like uh, matched set items.
2: Yeah, I've seen legendary items. Yeah, um, well, they're supposedly sets. There there are sets yeah. as well um, as you as you get to max level, which okay. I haven't reached yet.
1: Okay. I was curious if you'd seen anything, but I what is the I max level either. on uh, Diablo three? Uh, it's currently sixty.
0: Now, are they going to do kind of like they did in EverQuest in the olden days, where they start to uh, just you know extend the max level? And I, the... I like
1: how you date yourself by saying EverQuest. Well, that
0: was really the last video game I played, short of a Halo. So uh, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, they'll certainly
2: release expansions at some point, which has interestingly up. Uh, uh, implications for all the people who dropped $1,000 on you know, optimizing their character via this real money auction house. If you release a whole new set of content that makes all that obsolete in a right. day, they would better give people a
1: lot of warning for that kind of a change. Yeah, well, come on. If you're stupid enough to drop $1,000 on customizable shit in a video game, well, you deserve to get like...
0: It's <laughs> not even that. It's more about how... Uh, worked off. You end up getting about it, right?
1: I don't. I don't even care. If I was Blizzard and I was like some dumbass, like spent a thousand because they're not even getting a thousand dollars. Some other guy's getting it because it's from an auction house, right? So yeah, it, Blizzard actually takes a fifteen percent cut. on oh, really? One of those auctions. Okay, well that's <laughs> smart on their part. Yeah, I was. But, I was gonna be shocked if they weren't. Okay, so anything. so so say some retard spends a thousand dollars on you know specking out his his um, character with with special items and stuff, and Blizzard makes one hundred and fifty bucks off of it. Um, kind of like it still seems feels like BFD to me, and I'd be like, "Yeah, we'll we'll release new cooler stuff," and he can spend another thousand dollars to make it. Is I don't know. It just seems like if you're gonna drop if you if you can drop a thousand dollars on a video game, you can you can afford to be disappointed.
0: Yeah, I I have a hard time with the whole concept of paying physical cash money for anything in a video game. That doesn't really strike me as a uh, thing I would choose to do.
2: So the, the big departure that this is from the previous video games, where people have been able to buy and sell things like uh, World of Warcraft itself, where you can pay you know twenty dollars to fly around on your angelic horse, mm-hmm. um, th- those things are never uh, artificially limited. Like there's no there's no fake scarcity there. Anyone right. who wants to buy the, spend twenty bucks on a collector's edition can get that item. Um, but in this case, Blizzard's saying uh, the probability of this specific item occurring in the game is very low. And that they won't game that, you know. Cross their heart and hope to die, and right. so therefore, this item has some some special value that would make it worth fifty or a hundred or two hundred and fifty dollars rather right. than fifty cents or, or a dollar, like a
1: Farmville transaction would be. So it's like the Moxes in magic. You guys are looking like me, like you know what I'm talking about.
0: I. <laughs> Yeah, uh, magic was another thing that I played once and thought, wow, this is so not something I'm going to spend time on.
1: Yeah, me me too. Yeah, that's what I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. I saw your magic cards when you were in college, dude. You yeah, got them in a little binder with you, plastic. You can still
1: find them in my binder and the plastic in my house. <laughs> I was way too
2: cool for magic when I was in school. Yeah, it was all about Star Trek reruns. <laughs>
0: that, that is an important distinction. I think I was probably doing the same thing. <laughs>
1: I think there was a Star Trek trading or playing game, too, at some point. There was yeah. definitely a Star Wars one. I don't know if there was ever a Star... I can't imagine there wasn't a Star Trek one. They had, like, after Magic took off, they tried making games of card games of, of pretty much every genre. And I, so, I'm so i pretty sure there was a Star Trek one. I think so, I saw, like, some... Pic- I, for some reason, there's this picture of John Luke Picard in, like, you know, the red uniform on a card. Like, it's yeah. just <laughs> sticking in my mind for some reason.
0: I, uh uh the other night my nephew came over and we were reading books right he's 5 and uh, he was get my he, there's a whole bunch of books he has here and he went to go pick a book for me to read to him and my wife was awesome she's like hey why don't you read the pokemon book now you both have kids yours are substantially younger than his but have you guys ever watched pokemon yeah 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 do you know how absolutely um uh, difficult to pronounce. Almost all of the Pokemon names are, if you don't know them.
2: I'm not. I'm not following. Uh, yeah, I, I think they are relatively <laughs> easy to
0: pronounce. Actually. Yeah, I'm gonna go get the book right now and have you guys read really? it out loud to me and tell me you don't feel a little bit silly. Oh, you feel silly <laughs> pronouncing them for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I did find myself as I was reading through it though, like doing Charizard, a, Squirtle, and, Bulbasaur. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like as you're reading through a book, and I mean, you know, for me anyway, especially Pokemon. I end up in that whole uh, same kind of meter that they have in the show where people are talking really fast and they're excited. Or, hey, now we need to be do doing this type stuff, right? And all of a sudden, you're like doing that. You run into a name that you're like, I've said this name like 9,000 times because it's on every other page, but I'm tripping over it each time I run into it. It's a little on the annoying side. <laughs> yeah. So were
1: the kids making fun of you for not knowing the names and not being able to no, say them easily? No, no.
0: He was looking at me and laughing. He was like, ha, ha, ha. Your aunt's fired. She doesn't get to pick books anymore. The Pokemon book may find an accident.
1: Yeah, my girls love Pokemon. They're not so much anymore. They've kind of gotten they're a little old enough to be a little over it, but it's still it's still cool.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the societal effects of these things as they sort of progress. You know, like I know a lot of people that I uh, grew up the same age. You know, it was all about uh, He-Man. You know, yeah. toys as a kid, and everybody played with Legos as a kid. What's going to happen when all of the latest and greatest uh, engineers at work are the guys who grew up
1: on Pokemon? Uh, Well, they probably are right now. I've got guys that work for me that were like uh, Pokemon was the thing when they were kids, right? Because I mean, kids, guys who are in their early twenties now, yeah. Pokemon was the shit. That yeah, when like literally, I've got a guy who's got Pokemon on his his screen on his desktop. I mean, it's a little retro, but he's like. I don't know, Pokemon was a shit when I was a kid. And I'm like, what do you mean when you were a kid? And I was like, Pokemon was a shit when I was 25. He's like, oh, there's an yeah, age gap here. You're a little on the old <laughs> side.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're almost 40, dude. I was talking
1: to one of the guys at work, one of the other guys at work, we were. I, he was talking about his girlfriend, and uh, he mentioned something about her being 18, and I started giving him a shit about it. And I was like, wait, how old are you? <laughs> He's like 22. I'm, 22. I'm like, never mind, it's appropriate. Yeah.
0: So, uh, What else has uh, got you guys coming back, or keeps you right on uh, in the computer chair there playing Diablo Three? We've talked a little bit about the in-game market, a little bit about the uh, good, solid feeling you get for killing uh, and destructing environments. That's that's pretty much it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's just collecting uh, and driving, driving the character up
1: further.
2: Yeah, lots of uh, trance-like clicking. You know, it's just a (laughs) nice way to to decompress after a long day.
0: It's a Zen moment while you're uh, you know blowing things up. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much,
2: and, and. it really is uh, sort of exquisitely tuned, you know, to be hard when you need a little bit of a challenge, and not really hard when you're not wanting one.
1: And it's never really—I well, and granted, I only played through normal. I haven't gone through Hell or Inferno or anything yet, but it never hit a frustrating difficulty. There was the occasional like, "Ah, crap! I died there," and it was because I wasn't really like you know paying enough attention. But then you respawn at your last checkpoint, and you got all your stuff. It, you got a ten percent damage you know, on your equipment that costs you $50 to fix or what. I mean, it was never really like a, oh my. you know, it never really felt like a bad thing when I did. The one thing I'm, I, I'm curious about, uh, when you're playing along and you're like occasionally, which I know this never happens, but then when you want to quit, you're like, I want to quit, but then I got to play the next checkpoint to make sure I don't lose progress. Absolutely. Is Is it just me or is that kind of annoying?
2: It is annoying. And I kind of wish that there was some sort of a quick save option that would just immediately snapshot where you are. Yeah. But uh, I think it's, I think it's a good trade-off um, because you don't want to like pick up, you know, mid battle every time you start, right? It's yeah. nice yeah. to sort of get some uh, narrative
1: flow every time you start to play the game. Yeah, I just things happen, right? And occasionally, oh, I gotta go. I tend to pause a lot because I'd be like, I gotta go do house stuff or family stuff or something else, and so I'll pause. But mm-hmm. then sometimes I come back to the game after it's been paused for a significant a lot of time. time. Just a little bit. Yeah, I. I've done about half my playing
2: uh, playing co-op with a guy who lives in my neighborhood uh, just down the street and found out that he was also a big Diablo fan. Yeah. And uh, it really changes the experience as well. You know, your kid starts crying, hold on a sec, you run, and in the meantime, he's defending your, you know, <laughs> retarded avatar as he yeah. stands in place and monsters swarm him. So, uh, <laughs> that sounds you, know, dumb. you you can look out for them, they look, they look out for you, and uh, there's never this feeling that, You have to finish to the next checkpoint because you can always just pick it up with your friend the next time. Right.
0: That's something that uh, one of the games that I have actually played, Portal 2, is a little frustrating for me from time to time because I'll be playing along like halfway through a long level and then, you know, I'll have to go make dinner or something. And I'll sort of forget what's going on in the level or where I'm at or what's happening. And then it's like really difficult to come back to to try and go, okay, where did I leave portals? What's going on? Where should I have portals? What's kind of the goal here?
1: Um, yeah, I just, I just feel, for me, I feel like I'm much more of a casual gamer than I was 10 years ago. And so a lot of times I, I just, I, I really prefer games where I can, you know, oh, all right, I'm done. I just hit save and walk away at whatever point I'm at because either I have, to, you know, I've got other commitments, I've got, you know, stuff to do in the real world, or, you know, I just, I can't, whatever. Or I get <laughs> bored, I get tired, I want to go to sleep. Yeah. I'm old.
0: That that happens as you start aging. I understand. So uh, exciting news in tech this week. Uh, WWDC happened. Um, They announced a bunch of cool new stuff.
1: So that's the Worldwide Developers Conference for all developers for all platforms, right?
0: Exactly. That's that's why it's called the Worldwide Developers Conference. All right, sweet. Uh,
2: We uh, kind of has an. It is about the one platform that matters, right? (laughs) See, that's exactly (laughs) what I said last week.
0: yeah, so Apple did announce the new. Wouldn't uh, it really be
1: like the two or three platforms that they. Ho- I mean, they've got iOS and the, the whatever. Have, whatever year they actually run on Macs and and I don't know. I'm sure there's a third platform that they talk about it. There isn't there. Not really. Oh, there's
0: just, just basically the two? Uh, right. uh, Mac and uh, iOS. Hmm. So a ton of new. It'd uh, be really cool if they had a third. Yeah. Yeah. We can send them an email. <laughs> So one uh, one of the big and exciting things they released was just actually kind of what I was hoping they'd send out was a, a new laptop, with a Retina display, and uh, that for me is super exciting because I think it was uh, the specs were something like twenty eight eighty by eighteen hundred on the resolution, so you finally have a decent amount of screen real estate on a fifteen inch laptop, and it's less than three quarters of an inch thick. I think like point seven one, not that I memorize these stats. Everybody in the room could tell I'm not looking (laughs) at my laptop. The rest of the world is like, really? Um, So, yeah, I'm uh, super stoked. The only thing that's not cool, its for those of you playing at home that probably haven't read this, you wouldn't be listening to a podcast anyway, but, um, you know, quad-core i7 processors, uh, what, 4 and 8 gig um, options for RAM. Does it go up to 16? I'm not sure.
2: I I know that there was a lot of buzz about it the first day um, and that uh, I'm, I felt myself getting caught up in that reality distortion field a little bit as well. Uh, I'm a little less enamored of it now that I read about it. Yeah. Uh, so, in particular, I'm not fond of the idea that the uh, battery is actually glued directly into the aluminum of the case.
0: Wait, they glued the battery in?
2: They glued the battery in. They glued the uh, LCD panel in. So if ah. anything happens, you
1: replace that half the clamshell. That's really cool. Uh, Well, batteries never, like, wear out. They just have the same sort of, like, you know, life expectancy as every other component. So so (laughs) gluing the battery in place
2: uh, not only means that you definitely have a finite lifetime for the system as a whole. You know, you you hit your 700 recharges or whatever, and it's done. Right. Um, Unless you got some acetone and
1: uh, screwdriver.
2: It also means that all of their uh, talk about recycling and being very green and environmentally friendly, uh, you know, all the glass and aluminum are recyclable if it were possible that you could separate them without Without shredding them all together. And so uh, a lot of their, you know, uh, sustainability claims are also completely bogus.
0: That's been the case for their sustainability complaints for many years though. I mean, or can I say plain? Yeah, whatever. Um, They have very well advertised that they're the best and the brightest and they're, you know, making the world green and safe. And all of that really is just to keep the, uh, um, baristas and sort of other folks that don't bother to, you know, do anything other than buy into the Mac culture, happy so that they can go eating their organic food and uh, having a Mac. Yeah,
2: but I mean, if if you look at like the uh, previous generation MacBook, which they just released the uh, update of, mm-hmm. uh, those MacBooks are actually related to be are rated to be really uh, repairable. You know, you can swap out the battery, you can upgrade the RAM yourself,
0: take out the hard drive,
2: you can swap the hard drive for a solid state drive. Yeah, um, so they're all kinds of ways that you can upgrade uh, the machine and push its lifetime a little bit longer. Yep. You can't update the uh, processor or the graphics card, but everything else. That's you know, kind of memory, a, Ma- hard a drive, laptop everything. thing,
0: though, right? Like, very few laptops can you upgrade the processor. Right. So,
2: so Mac has been, you know, head of the class, you know, in that respect uh, so far. Well, and now they're really, you know, about facing here and saying they're just going to go for, you know, maximum performance or maximum thinness over being able to extend the lifetime of your laptop a little I bit I don't longer.
0: know that they're actually going that far back because if you look at the MacBook Airs, they're exactly the same type of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you buy a MacBook Air, you get exactly what's there because they've hardwired everything to the motherboard. Exactly. There's and, no upgrading and, of the hard drives. There's no RAM upgrades, nothing. Just take what you got.
2: And and, and to get back to like uh, the late and great Steve Jobs' metaphor about uh, trucks versus cars. Now, not everybody needs a truck, right? And, right. Uh, and a computer is a truck where an iPad is a as a car, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I saw a MacBook Air as sort of an uh, iPad Plus keyboard. You know, it was very much like a, yeah. if you don't ever have to do serious stuff, you use an Air. But if you're a real <laughs> developer, then you well, get a pro, right? You, know, you can upgrade.
0: The sad thing about that is, though, is for the last, oh, I don't know, decade or so, any computer mm-hmm. would be fine for whatever a developer needs to be doing. Because mm-hmm. 90% of the time, you're typing in a text editor. Right? I mean, And the time it takes a MacBook Air to compile anything over the time it takes your desktop to compile anything, I mean, you're all looking at uh, at least uh, any kind of multi-core solution there. It's going to be way faster than it was even 12, 15 years ago on your most powerful uh, computers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the argument that anything isn't really powerful enough for what you're looking for these days is kind of silly.
2: Yeah, I'm not arguing about the power, but there's that feeling of having control of the environment that you're using. Yeah, um, that goes away with the newer tools.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. So, uh, the other thing that was kind of painful about the MacBook was the cost. <laughs> I when when I hoped it was coming out, I really really hoped it would be under two thousand dollars. Granted, I kind of knew that was a pipe dream, but uh, yeah, you're looking at three grand for a decently stacked uh, MacBook pro-retina display. Yeah, as soon as I uh, hit it big in the lottery, I'll probably end up with one <laughs> and also decide that I'm okay with the environment dying around me.
1: How yes. do the baristas afford uh, a Mac then? Because, I well, mean, it just seems like if I, if I was going to go, I, you know what, I could buy a decent uh, Dell or HP for 600 bucks, or I could spend three grand uh, literally, I could spend six times that amount
0: and buy a, a Mac. I'm going for the Mac. So I, I have a lot of friends that are kind of on the, uh, um, you know, they do either barista or have odd jobs that are like seasonal type approaches. And every one of them I know has a Mac. So, uh, and, and I think what they're doing is getting the uh, – um not necessarily hand me downs, but you know, really working over Craigslist to get a good deal on uh, whatever Macs they're taking home. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either because when I was like dirt poor, I had a you know home built PC that sat over in the corner was about as tall as I was, and
1: uh, right, and you you scrapped it together for two hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: but you know, there's a, a certain image you have to keep up as a barista. That, right, uh, right 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 you know, you
2: skinny jeans be, exactly fixy. yeah uh, to be to be fair you know the macs are uh comparable when you look at uh, the this the stats on them right like if you were to buy you know an ultrabook you're looking at the same kind of price range as macbook air yeah and a and well you know uh well equipped ultrabook you're looking at the same price as a macbook pro uh there's just not a low end or, you know, netbook style Mac available because they want you to step down to an iPad at that point. Right.
0: The I think the the thing here is though, or the thing at play is that most of the folks that I know that, you know, don't have tech jobs that end up with apples, they check Gmail with them, which the uh you know, the netbook that I have in the bedroom that has, you know, two gigs of RAM, it'd be more than sufficient for that use. Right, it'll also take you to Pinterest. Yes.
2: Yeah, I, I think that we'll increasingly see that segment of the population switch to iPads as they become more capable.
0: Or alternately, the new Windows 8 tablets that are coming out. It looks like there's a lot of different form factors coming there.
2: Or, shameless plug, the Kindle Fire or its <laughs> successor.
0: <laughs> you know, actually, I love my Fire. Uh, we've talked about the Fire on not every podcast, yeah, but yeah. Uh, very close I got, to every I got two process. of them at my house. Yeah. Um the uh actually one of the other things I wanted to talk about this week was uh the well when the Kindle fires were coming out, that was about the same time that they launched Cloud Player. Have you guys used Cloud Player? I have. Okay. So why don't you walk us through your use of Cloud Player? What what you like about it? What
2: uh uh so I'm a big fan of the idea of a personal music locker in the cloud. Uh partly because I've been on the other side of implementing it, uh <laughs> that kind of functionality, but uh also because I really dislike the way that every time you uh, upgrade to a new computer, or you're visiting your parents' house or something, there's this whole set of things that has to come along with you. Uh, ideally, that would include, you know, my uh, .zrc file, you know, as <laughs> I as I terminal into things. But you know, yeah, nor- but that... nor- normal things like music, you know, and video would be nice to, to have those along as well. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to the day that I can sit down on any device, log into something, and just play all my music and
0: all my videos. I I think that day is actually here now. I mean, with all of my music is up in Cloud Player, um, I've got uh, this week the Cloud Player app for the iPhone and iPad was released, which is awesome. Um, there's an iPl- a Cloud Player app for your uh, Android devices. Um,
2: so I I like the the Cloud Player concept. I'm especially excited about the web version. Yeah, like I'd like to not even have to download an app to your phone to be able to play my music on it.
3: Right.
0: The the web version is actually pretty slick. I mean, it works very easily. Um, The greatest integration for me actually is the fact that when I buy um, music from Amazon, which is where I buy my music because I can get MP3s and you know, DRM free, DRM free MP3s, and it's great. Um, But now it'll automatically store them into Cloud Player for or into the uh what is that Cloud Cloud Drive. Drive? Cloud Drive, yeah. It'll automatically store it for me in Cloud Drive, which is then accessible through Cloud Player and you know, then it downloads it to my local machine and syncs with uh um iTunes because I have an iPhone, so I need to use that. But uh yeah, it, it Cloud Player is one of the coolest things. And if you buy MP3s from Amazon, they just give you free storage for all of your MP3s. So like I bought a bunch of albums on uh Amazon MP three. As soon as Cloud Player came out, I was like, Well, I should go get more so I can upload the rest of my music. But it's like, Nope, it's all free. So just it, it was actually kinda handy. Um Again, something that comes up fairly regularly is the crappy internet I have at the house here. Um, I actually just took my laptop into work at Amazon <laughs> and uploaded it all to Cloud Player. It was wicked fast. We're talking about like 45 minutes. It was all like all 30 gigs of my music was right, uploaded. As, uh, as into... opposed
1: to a fortnight uh, if you did it from here.
0: I'm expecting uh, more like three weeks <laughs> if I were to do it from here because yeah. you know, MP3s are huge. You just yeah, can't yeah. move them easily around. Yeah, you so don't know what a Fortnite is, do you? It's like two weeks. Oh, damn it, you were good. <laughs> well, when you said no more
1: like three weeks, it was like, you know.
0: Yeah, a d- Fortnite yeah. and a half sounds was, silly. Yeah, no, I know. Just...
1: So, so the rumors I hear
2: are that uh, Cloud Drive is supposed to be signing some sort of a music licensing deal so they can provide iTunes match functionality. Nice. So that would enable both uh, storage in the cloud and also streaming of your music directly to machines rather than downloading everything there.
0: That would be cool. Like right now with the Cloud Player app, I can stream on my iPhone. But uh, um, and for those of you playing at home that maybe tried out the Cloud Player app for Android six eight months ago, whenever it was released, give it another try. The uh, Android app was really somewhat painful initially, but it looks like they've sorted that out in the at least in the iPhone version that I have. I and I'd imagine they fixed the Android one while they were there too. Um, let's see what other Amazon things should we plug today? We've talked to Kindle, uh, Amazon, uh, uh, something else.
2: Zach's last Amazon plug session.
0: Uh, I highly doubt that. I mean, considering they bring me TV groceries and everything I buy, it would be hard not to continue to plug it. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't think he's, I don't <laughs> think he's cutting the cord yet. He's um, just cutting the paycheck.
0: Yeah. So while we're on mobile devices, um, I saw an article this week for a company called Tactus Technology. Now, if you're going to search them in the internet, be careful because there's also another company called Tactus Technology that does a completely different thing. Yeah. So you want to find the right one. Um, What's the other one do? They make a 3D modeling software. They oh. have a virtual cadavers, virtual uh, um, frog dissection um, I think they have another product called Protean Clay. Like yeah. the
1: way you were warning it, I thought it was maybe like some sort of like porn site or something. No, no, no. It's I, not, now it's, I'm kind of disappointed.
0: Yeah, it's nothing bad. It's just when, when you, uh, and this is just me, if you're naming a company or say a podcast, um, you really should look out there and see if there's another company with the same name already because it's really difficult when you're doing like domain names, anything else, right? And uh, it confuses Bing, which is what's defaulting as my search engine on this laptop. Yes, that's right. I have a MacBook that has Bing as the default. Um, that's but just sad. <laughs> Just sad. Oh, it could be worse. Uh, what uh, Tactus Technologies, the really cool one, does is they've been working on um, a new touchscreen. Their kind of approach to the world is that touchscreens are slick and all, but at the end of the day, humans really like buttons. I know I do. If my uh, touchscreen had buttons on it, I'd be so much happier. I um, like buttons. Yeah. What they've designed is actually a new touchscreen that can make buttons magically appear when you need them and make them go away when you don't need them and you actually uh, press them. They're using some magic uh, liquidy technology stuff. I think it's a poly alloy. Huh. Uh,
1: Sounds like magic.
0: It it does sound a lot like magic, but uh, it looks like they're actually working with some uh, Android phone makers and they're slated to be out in... Uh, the middle part of 2013.
2: Wow. So does it give you just uh, like the equivalent of key travel or do they actually have hapt- haptic feedback built in?
0: I do not know about the haptic feedback. They were not very clear on the website if it would be included, but it definitely gives you the effect of key press. So, so it even so.
1: gives you the key press. Because I was kind of, as you were describing, I think it was just going to give you like a nub or something. Like, no. You know what I mean? Like when you mm-hmm. do it, it would kind of just raise, but it would be statically raised.
0: Yeah, no, it looks like it actually raises, and you press a button, and it behaves like a button ought to.
1: It's really I, interesting
2: that you should bring that up, because, you know, speaking of video games, uh, I recently spent some time on an Xbox, and it was interesting how they separately texture all the buttons. Uh, if, you, if you pay enough attention, you can tell, like, the uh, control sticks have a different finish than the triggers do, which yep. have a different finish than each of the different classes of buttons on the controller. Um, I think that it's going to be something that's necessary for any kind of hands-free or look-free uh, you know, tactile uh, controller.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things that they were advertising is that with the new um, uh, Tactus displays, it actually opens up the world of smartphones to uh, uh, visually impaired folks because now they can get the same kind of feedback that everybody else gets just by default from looking. So I'm really excited to see how this comes out and what it's going to be on. I mean, it might be one of those things where I'll have to go uh, hang out at the store for a couple hours and play with an Android device to see uh, well, what it's like. Well,
1: and one of the things that's, that's the problem with smartphones on, like, some of the video games is, like, it, I'm sure you've played something where it's got, like, sort of a joystick type uh, game on on the, the and, and it's is as you're focusing on the game, you're, finger kind of moves off of where the joystick control is. So I know there's a, a company that was selling sort of like little nubs that you could stick on your phone that would kind of like give you that sort of um, obviously low-tech version of right. the same thing. But um,
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen stickers that you can attach to your iPhone that actually just give you sort of like a bowl-like depression for a thumb yeah. where your favorite game's joystick goes.
0: There's, there's also some uh, screen protectors they've made that have uh, cutouts on them where the keys for the keyboard would be. So that when you put it on, you can actually feel, uh, you know, get tactile feedback for where the buttons will become.
1: How, how do you guys feel about screen protectors for smartphones
0: at this point? I have them on my phone.
2: As a non-smartphone user, yeah, I wouldn't be able to stand one. I, so, so, it, so I, I want the bare industrial artifact of the phone and no, uh, no case or screen protector. No case
0: either. No case. So I go back and forth on the cases. Right now, I'm rocking an iPhone with no case. But it does have, uh, like, uh, protectory things on the front and back because for some reason I'm worried it's going to get scratched because Gorilla Glass is so breakable. Yeah. So that's kind of my <laughs>
1: feeling now is, is it, like, my wife's got a uh, screen protector on hers. Well, she had one for a while. Right. It, it it's a little annoying the screen protectors. Like even with the really high quality ones, it's on there really well, and you, most of the time you don't notice it. But eventually, it starts to bubble up and peel off. And and I don't think she's had it on there for the last year. You can't. It's not scratched. It's fine as long as you're not. Oh, you well, I mean the manufacturers uh, designed them to work
2: without a screen protector. Yeah, and so it feels odd to attach a less durable facade
1: right there where you're going to be looking at it all the time. Yeah.
2: Now, you guys the... have
0: convinced me I'm taking my screen protector off right now. Oh, my God. You must feel so naked.
1: Uh, on the other hand, I do like well-designed, and I'm going to be really specific about that, uh, case protectors. Like are really uh, – and, and there's not many. So for my wife, she's actually the, – the ones that she originally had for um, her Evo I, was too bulky. And the one that the only one that was available for my phone was way too bulky. Um, she's got a nice thin one on there now, and the one that I'm the most impressed with actually is the on the. Uh, a lot of the Lumia 900s now have a case, and you can't even tell, like. I've seen people with it on, and I was like, "Oh, wow, this is cool! You got the black one." They're like, no, I got the blue one, and it, they peel the case off, and it's it's very form fitting, and.
0: Um, I, I have seen that, and I really do like the. Uh, it's Lumia, right? That's the name of the Nokia. Yeah. Um, device that came out for the Windows phone. I you will well know in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me a couple weeks. Um, for for those of you that don't know, did I actually say where I was going to work? I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to go work at Microsoft with the Windows phone division along with Matt. So, uh, yeah. Imagine yeah. soon we'll have to be uh, not talking about cool stuff that we know about,
1: which it, I, I, I try and keep it down to a download, just make sure I uh, I don't say anything I'm not supposed to.
0: yeah. That's the one nice thing about my current job is there's a lot well, I guess the job that I'm no longer with as of about one o'clock this afternoon, um, there was a lot of really cool stuff, but it was unlikely that it was going to be coming up in everyday conversation. It just, you know, it doesn't.
2: That's (laughs) just not a consumer-facing space. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, there's just, people don't care that much about how the internals of the world works. But, so, uh, things that people do care about, strangely um, UFOs. (laughs) You're laughing at that amazing transition, aren't you? I'm impressed at the segue. (laughs) Yeah, I've been working on those. Um, so, uh, what's your guys' stance on UFOs? Uh,
1: I believe that there's life on other planets. I don't believe they visit us.
0: Okay. That's Matt Bryant. What's your take?
2: I think that there absolutely are UFOs in the sense that there absolutely are things. People don't know what they are <laughs> that's not to say that uh, they have any kind of
1: non-earthly origin
0: so extraterrestrial travel both of you say no
1: yeah that's a negative wait I thought yours was a positive I thought you were saying they no, were. no no he says that
0: there's shit that people don't know what it is
1: oh I, there's all kinds of shit people yeah. don't know what it is I <laughs> just don't think that they're UFOs it's like an airplane exactly.
0: in a yeah. fog looks pretty weird yeah.
1: UFOs yes aliens no <laughs>
0: Okay, well, that's interesting. Oh, we we're
1: almost kind of opposite, because I'm like, aliens, yes, UFOs, no.
0: Wait, you don't think there's life anywhere else? Uh,
1: aliens, yes. Aliens, here, no. Okay.
2: Okay. You, okay, so you guys are basically on the same yeah, page. Yeah, yeah.
0: So there's a lot of folks over in Washington, D.C., and I'm not talking about the government, that aren't. It turns out yesterday there was a UFO getting moved by government trucks um, across the, uh, the Beltway. I'm saying that like I know what that means.
1: Um, it's like, I, I think I, it's... I-495. I- yeah. Wow. It's a freeway that wraps around... Uh, Washington, D.C.? Yeah, all of,
2: all of Washington, D.C. It yeah. circles around through
1: Maryland and then down through uh, Frederick County. So, so it's a little weird here in, in, in Washington because we don't really have any cities where that happens because we got, like, water and mountains and stuff in the way that would, like, block the circular freeway thing. Well, we've uh, got 405, which is the
2: equivalent. And kind Actually, of, yeah. yeah. When I but first but it here, only goes...
1: It only. It's like... Halfway around,
2: yeah. Uh, and if you combine it with I five, then yeah. And, 4 and five <laughs> is the same way because of the Atlantic Ocean on their side, so they just circle around halfway as well. Oh, okay, it's the mirror image of Seattle as far as the freeway layout, and actually, right where Renton is in uh, in the mirror image, there's a city called Reston in Northern Virginia. Wait right? a
0: minute! I think the Illuminati are responsible for this. They've designed I'm, our cities on the West Coast to be symmetric with our cities on the East Coast.
2: My first six months here, I called Renton Rustin every other time (laughs) because I had that mental mental map just flipped 180 degrees in my mind.
0: Nice. So have I mentioned we're switching this from a technology podcast to a uh, conspiracy theory podcast?
1: (laughs) No, but I want to hear more. I want to know more about the Illuminati. Okay, yeah. At one one point in my late 20s, I read the entire Illuminatus trilogy, which was difficult. It was not an easy read, but I forced my way (laughs) through the entire thing.
0: So, uh, yeah, we'll talk next week on that one. Uh, so what happened, it, uh, yesterday is a bunch of folks on Twitter started to notice that there was this, uh, UFO-like device being carted around on government trucks. So everybody started stamping pictures with their smartphones. Now, for many, many, many years, uh, I have spent a lot of time reading, uh, conspiracy theory stuff, listening to Art Bell and George Norrie and all those kinds of folks, uh, even Wiseback when he did his own local show. And, uh, Something that always kind of struck me as odd was the uh, level of crappiness of any picture you'd ever see. If somebody's like, I took a picture of Bigfoot or a UFO or, uh, you know, my sister-in-law, whatever. Uh, the pictures are always grainy and crappy. Uh, today, yeah, yeah. We're, we're carrying around cameras in our pockets that are, what, 8 or 10 megapixels. I mean, they're, they're really awesome. So when I saw that there was a UFO in Washington, D.C. that had been uh, reported on Twitter, I naturally went and looked at the pictures guess what about the pictures is kind of uniform of the three or four pictures they had. They're all grainy and (laughs) shitty. They're all grainy and crappy. Like my phone from like six or eight years ago took better pictures than they managed to take with those uh, cameras. Um, But as it turns out, it was in fact not a UFO. It was a very identified flying object. It was a, a military drone. It was the, uh, The X-47B. The X-47B. Now, uh, Brian, do you uh, know a little bit about military vehicles?
2: So as as a bit of a military vehicle buff, uh, I know that the X-47B is an experimental uh, U.S. Navy drone designed to take off and fly from aircraft carriers. Um, It's essentially the stealth fighter of the drone world, a prototype for the Unmanned Combat Aerial Vehicle Program.
1: And it's apparently designed to look like a UFO.
2: Basically, looks like a big diamond-shaped thing with a single jet intake on the top and a big jet outlet on the back, and no other identifiable features.
0: Yeah, it. it if you got, if you guys saw the uh, oh crap, I'm blanking. It was a Disney movie about a kid that got brought forward in time. There was a kind flight of, of the navigator. Flight of the Navigator. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, They're very reminiscent of the Flight of the Navigator spaceship, basically. I mean, they have more wings, but depending on what angle you're looking on it, it could be very easily uh, confused. But, uh, yeah, apparently this isn't even the first time it's happened. They've uh, trucked those same drones through um, both uh, the Beltway before and a number of other places. Um, So basically what I have to say to all of you folks in Washington, D.C. that use Twitter, dude, make sure it's an actual UFO next time. You know, something that is exciting, uh, worth getting excited about. Um, but so what are the what's the uh biggest the, use for these think, uh, drones things to get
2: excited about not the x-47b but yes the retina macbook y- okay
0: well <laughs> so here's the thing in my real life i may get to play with a retina um display macbook the chance that i'm ever going to get to play with a military drone is uh wait do they let it's me write those increasing
2: every year actually with really? the number that they're producing but
0: so uh, so they might actually start having these at the boeing surplus where i can just swing by and pick up my own for like you know
2: well, the word on the street is that they've got more than sixty of these drone bases in the United States.
0: Really? Yep. What, now, what are they? Uh, what are they doing with the drones? Nobody knows. Because it seems like if you have sixty bases all across the United States, um, I'm doing really bad geography math in my head.
1: Approximately but, one per state.
0: Well, Grant, no, 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 I'm not even that. I'm like, I was thinking about the distribution. Where would you be dropping these? Like, are you putting them on, uh, you know, near the oceans? Are you putting them on the borders? Or we yeah, There you know. are
2: stories about uh, military drones being used to catch uh, drug smugglers in the Gulf of uh, Mexico, uh, others that patrol the Rio Grande for illegal immigrants. <laughs> uh, that now, there are uh, times that military drones have been uh, seconded over to NASA and used to uh, map forest fires.
0: See, the forest fires is a cool use. The tracking drug dealers, that's slick. Isn't the Coast Guard going to get a little pissed off that there's these drones that are now able to do probably substantially more cheaply and with less risk of life? what the Coast Guard does, and they might actually have to be uh, Coast you know, Guard, deployed. Coast Guard, which is a branch
2: of the U.S. military? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not <laughs> so ticked off about the military drones functioning properly. Well, here, here's, I was about to point out no, the no, no, exact no. same <laughs> thing.
0: Here, here's what I'm asking, uh, and anybody that's listening that was in the Coast Guard, go ahead and hate me for this. Um, as I was growing up, the story was that you went to the Coast Guard so you wouldn't ever have to go anywhere. Right, you're a pussy. You're
1: saying the guys in the Coast Guard are...
2: That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying traditionally
0: saying. they weren't deployed anywhere. Uh, the Coast Guard is anywhere. a
2: dynamic uh, armed service now. Uh, they actually run some of the minesweepers that are in the complex. Oh, Dude, in the I play East. that
0: game all the time. Just a little click, click, click. It even tells... You can figure out where the mines are.
2: But yeah, so the the Coast Guard, I'm sure, is is welcome to all the drone help they can get. I'm sure that the uh, Air Force pilots that are being displaced by these and the Navy carrier pilots are less enamored of the program.
0: See... How many Navy pilots do we actually have out there? Like, how many folks are uh, parked on, uh, um, you know? Uh,
2: 13 big carriers and about 80 aircraft per, with multiple pilots each.
0: So they're actually in very, very uh, high likelihood of getting replaced by drones. Certainly. That would suck, especially for those guys, because what are they going to do? It, it would suck Air more to get shot down. <laughs> yeah, but really, we go to war with countries that can't shoot us down. So,
2: <laughs> The Air Force currently trains more of its pilots to fly drones than real planes.
0: Really? Yep. So is there a, a minimum bar of entry? Hey, what video game do you play?
2: Yeah, that'd be interesting. If they said, you know, Diablo, uh, <laughs> you're going to be rejected because you're just going to click on too many right. targets over there in Afghanistan and uh, watch things explode for fun.
1: But, but if you're, like, way into, like, Microsoft Flight Sim, that would... Uh... Is oh, yeah.
0: Microsoft still making the Flight Sim?
1: Uh, I heard that they're, like, coming out with a new one. don't But I don't know, I
0: don't know when. So the fact that everybody's jumping up on their phones right now tells me that wives are texting. Is that about right?
2: No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're not not cool enough to text each other.
0: (laughs) So I think we're actually going to go ahead and end the podcast on that note. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Bryant, for coming along. It was nice to have a guest. Thanks for having me. And uh, Matt, good job today.
3: Thanks. (laughs)